Thanks for listening to another message from Life Christian Church. We hope it challenges and encourages you and helps you to grow in your faith. Don't forget, download our app to stay up to date with what's going on at Life. Share your prayer requests or pray for others. Read the Bible online and much, much more. Simply search for Life Christian Church in your app store. Hey, I want to bring a message this morning titled The Cost of Discipleship. On three, everybody say, The Cost of Discipleship. One, two, three. Excellent. Now we're going to say it with a bit of joy, a bit of vigor. One, two, three. That's the way. Good stuff. Fantastic. Hey, have you ever entered a shop and you've gone into the store and uh, you walk in and you spot something that perhaps you wasn't planning to purchase? But you walk in the store and you see this thing hanging over there or on the shelf and you sort of look at it and you go, gee, that's, uh, that's, that's a pretty nice bit of kit, whatever it might be. And you look at this particular item and you think, I really, really could do with that in my life. Now, pastor's confession, I have this issue every time I walk into Beck's Mitre 10 and go past all the Makita tools. I just stand there and go, wow, look at that router. That's some serious bit of... Anyway, you're all going, you're a weird little creature. Amen. And... But you have this moment where you see something and you think, I could really do with that in my life. Then you have this moment where you think to yourself, I wonder what that costs. I wonder what that item would cost me to have in my life. And all of a sudden you look around and maybe the price tag's right there. Maybe you have to ask the shop assistant. But you find out what the cost is for that particular item. This also happens to me at Beck's when I go past the tool section. And you see the price and maybe the price is good, but often you see the price and you go, oh, um, heck, that's a fair bit more than I was willing to pay. Who's ever had one of those experiences? And you look at the cost, the asking price, and you look at it and you go, actually, that's more than I'm willing to invest to have that thing in my life right now. So you make a decision. Your decision might be, actually, that's too good to leave on the shelf. I'm going to hand over my cash. I'm going to take that item and my life is going to be the most blissful thing it's ever been. And you walk out that store with whatever that bad little piece of whatever it is that you've purchased. Then you get home and have to tell your wife. That's another story. Or you have a moment where you go, really, is that the best price you can do? Is that the cost? And you stand there and you know that you know that you know that that is totally out of your realms. So you do this thing where you back out of the store and you leave it right in the store because you're not willing to pay the cost. Can I put to you this morning that every single one of us value some things in life? I was cleaning out my garage just the other day and uh, it's not hard to see in my garage the things that I value. 
You'll find things like surfboards, maybe more than one, two or three. You'll find things like golf clubs, probably my set, Dexter's set, Rushton's set. You'll find things like Makita power tools. You'll find all sorts of things that I personally value. You see, in life we gather and value all sorts of things. Let me give you an idea of some things that we gather or, or we value in life. Education is one of those things that we value, pursuing greater learnings in life. Employment, most of us value our employment, pursue greater opportunities. Most of us would say that we value our friends, at least we should. And as we value friends, we go on this journey of, of pursuing deeper connections with people. We value our family. Now, I wouldn't have to ask too many people here this morning or, or maybe say something about your family that you disagree with to realise that you are really, you're a person that really values your family. And you will protect your family and you will guard your family. Like that old saying, blood is thicker than water. We value our family. Developing greater love with one another. For those that have children, truth be told, we value our kids. I was going to say we value things like our kids. No, we actually value our kids. And we understand that as we value our kids, they're very, 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 very good at increasing one's patience. We love our kids. You see, if you take a look at what you surround yourself with, it's likely as you do so, you will there find what you value most in life. I spoke about my garage before I came across this quote. Men, it's a slightly confronting quote, but it says this. It says, if you want to know what's in a man's heart, take a look in his shed. I thought that was a great quote. If you want to know what's in a man's heart, take a look in his shed. Again, let me remind you this morning that that which we value, we are willing to invest into. It amazes me how many of us have things that we invest into. And it amazes me how for every single one of us, you could strike up a conversation with any person and you will quickly see what the things are they value in life. You know, one of the hot topics at the moment right across the northwest coast of Tasmania are things called mountain bikes. We own some, I own one. But you talk to a mad keen mountain biker, you may not even know they're into mountain biking. I guarantee you within about 20 seconds flat, they're talking about the trail they last rode. Because they value mountain biking. It amazes me how much money we, and I put my hand up, spend on mountain bikes. And you see cars driving around, probably worth two or $3,000 with $20,000 worth of mountain bikes on the roof racks. Because they value mountain biking perhaps more than they do their daily commuter. And I'm not judging this morning, but we see what we invest, we invest into what we value. The cost of discipleship. I want to, 
frame today's message around two questions. Two questions that, if answered correctly, will ensure that each of us live the life God has set apart for us. The first one of those questions is this, what are you investing in? Take a moment, give that some thought. What are you investing in right now in your life? What are you investing in? The second question is this. I just heard someone in the front row say, shoes. If you're a young person right now, you got to have a shoe collection. Amen? No, that's not true. That's, that's bad. I would suggest it was probably my son that said shoes. What are you investing in? Speak about paying ridiculous amounts of money for something. Shoes, my goodness. Second question, what do you value? What are the things in life that you value? You know, reality is this. We all place value and are willing to pro- and we're willing to pay a price for some things in life be it sporting equipment in the garage be it bikes on top of a car be it shoes in your closet who thought young men would have more shoes than women I don't know I'm just putting that out there it's phenomenal some of you are going did you really just say that yes I did are you willing or each of us are willing to pay a price for some things in life. But let me put this to you this morning. Are we willing to pay the cost of discipleship? Surrendering to someone, Jesus. You see, because everything which we value comes with a cost. You know, as I prepared this message... I came across this insightful and I think thought-provoking writing. I found it quite confronting actually. I want to share it with you this morning. It reads this, it says, We live in a market-driven society, so it is not surprising that we feel the urge to sell Christianity in the marketplace of competing ideas and ways of life. Yet when Christian mission is shaped toward the cell mentality, it more often than not becomes a low-cost and low-risk commodity. How else will we persuade others to receive the faith if not by coming in with a lower or better offer? But is the Christian faith really a low-cost, low-risk endeavour? What a great question. Is the Christian faith really a low-cost, low-risk endeavour? You see, I would suggest in life we like to talk about things like gains and profits. The things we, we gain in life, the profit we find, all the good things. We like to talk about that stuff. However, talking about things like cost, personal cost, personal sacrifice, well, I would suggest that can be a bit of a yeah-nah topic. Yeah-nah. We'll just park that over there and we won't talk about it. You see, as we walk the faith journey, 
we can come to know and appreciate that Jesus never ever shies away from the tough topics. In fact, he often does the opposite. He tackles them head on. He takes the hard things head on. And I love this about Jesus, but he does it in such a way where, where he speaks in terms which makes, uh, makes the hard, the difficult, the complicated, the involuted. He makes that which is difficult to understand and he makes it crystal clear. He makes it clear cut. He makes it simple. He makes it straightforward. You know, this is exactly what we discover in one of Luke's writings, in Luke chapter 14. Let me give you a little uh, lead into this before we go there. In this passage, Luke is, uh, Luke's Jesus, if I can put it that way, calls people to a kind of uh, discipleship that is not cheap, that is not necessarily easy, that is not to be entered into without deep consideration of the consequences. And the costs. This passage that we're about to read, Luke 14, actually speaks of the importance, the loyalty, the allegiance to Jesus over all other competing loyalties, including family, including self interest, including the things in our sheds, possessions. Luke chapter 14, come with me this morning. We're going to read from verse 25 to 35. The passage is titled, The Cost of Being a Disciple. Verse 25, we pick it up. It says, A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else, your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Verse 28, but don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money and then everyone would laugh at you and they would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Verse 31, Or what king would go to war against another without first sitting down with his counsellors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Verse 34, salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make make it salty again? Flavorless salt is good neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown away. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Church this morning, Discipleship does indeed come at a cost. I want to be super clear this morning. 
before I go any further on this message. And I want to be super, super clear. Today we're talking about discipleship. What I'm not talking about is salvation. Why do I say that? Because I want us to understand this morning before I go any further that for every single one of us, salvation, as Scripture tells us, is a gift. Let me tell you, Ephesians 2 and 8 says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin and death, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 2 Corinthians 9.15 Thanks be to God for his what? His indescribable gift. See, the great news is this today. This is good news if you don't take anything else home today. Take this home. The great news is, and don't let anyone try and tell you different. Don't let the enemy try and tell you different. But salvation is a gift. On three, everybody say salvation is a gift. One, two, three. Now say it like you mean it. One, two, three. A gift that is freely available to every single one of us here today. Available to every person on the planet. Salvation is free. However, discipleship Back on topic, discipleship, that certainly has a price tag. It comes at a cost. And the cost I want to talk about and have a look at today is a cost which I'd like to call surrender. Surrender. Let me remind you of the words of Christ. In Luke 14, we've just read it, but in verse 28, he says, But don't begin until you count the cost. Don't even make a start until you weigh up what it costs. Verse 33 says, So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. I recognise this morning that these are some pretty hard-hitting statements from our often idealistic, warm and fuzzy Jesus. He's not holding anything back in this text. He's going straight for the jugular. He's going straight for the heart. Jesus is not skirting around this. He's going straight in and he's going hard at this one. Jesus asks many questions or poses many questions in this text. Let me give you a couple of them today. Another question, will you pay the cost? Will you pay the cost? The cost. I'll give you another question. Ponder this one for a moment. Will you surrender everything? There's an old song that most of us have probably sung in the life of, in our own life, navigating our journey in church. It's an old song, it's a great song actually. And uh, we laughed this morning when I gave my message title and where I was tracking to the team. Josh Wilson actually broke out in chorus. But it's that song called, I Surrender All, All to Jesus. I Surrender All. I was thinking about that song this week. And I'll only ask this for myself, but perhaps you could ask yourself 
this question today. How many times have I sang that song, Lord Jesus, I surrender all? When the reality is what my life reflected was I surrender small. I don't surrender all. I surrender the small little bit that I'm willing to give up. I want to encourage you this morning. There is good news in this. Jesus asks nothing of us that he has not been through, that he has not navigated, that he has not already modelled to us. You know, when Jesus faced his trepidation over the upcoming suffering that we've just uh, reflected on over Easter, all that he would endure on the cross, how did he do that? By praying for strength to do his Father's will. He prayed for strength to do the will of his Father instead of letting fear overwhelm him or sink him into deep despair. Jesus dropped to his knees and he prayed. Luke twenty-two forty-two says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. What a beautiful, beautiful picture of surrender. Here we see Jesus paying the cost, surrendering to the will of the Father. Well, today for the little bit of time that we have left, I want to give us something to latch onto and into personally. I want to give four points this morning. They'll only be quite brief points. Areas in which we can make this whole surrender thing personally practical. If you're taking notes this morning, these four points will be as follow. Committing to Christ. Carrying the cross. Counting the cost. And conserving the consistency. Committing to Christ. Carrying the cross counting the cost and conserving the consistency. So number one this morning, again I've titled Committing to Christ. In Luke 14, verses 25 to 26, let me remind you we read this. A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and he said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must by comparison, hate everyone else. These are pretty tough and pretty strong words. Jesus here is talking about our level of commitment to himself. He uses what is known as hyperbole, exaggerated statement. Not to be taken literally, but exaggerated statement to make a point. Jesus says, you, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Hate your closest friends. Hate your closest family. Church, today, I want us to realize what Jesus is saying is that this word hate is an indication. It's reflective of Christ's strong desire to have close 
relationship with each of us. It shows his desire that our relationship with Christ would be the strongest relationship in our life. I wonder how you're going with that. I wonder how we're going with that one. I wonder if our relationship with Jesus is the strongest relationship that we have in our life. Here we have Jesus' call to personal relationship. It's a call that is exclusive. It's absolute. It's complete. Jesus wants relationship with you. Jesus wants our whole heart. He wants all our emotions. He wants our will. I wonder if we're willing to follow Jesus completely. I'm not talking about an attitude this morning of, I think I'm able to do that. Yeah, I could probably have a go at that. I'm talking about an attitude, not I'm able, but an attitude of I am willing to follow Jesus completely. I'll ask you this, are you first and foremost relational with Jesus? Is he the number one relational priority in your life? Is Jesus first in your priorities, loyalty and affections? I wonder if that's true for each of us here today. Speaking about committing to Christ, let me ask another question. Are you surrendered relationally to Christ? Here today, ask yourself that question. Am I, are you surrendered relationally to Christ? Is he the one that you first run to or is he the one that you run to when everything else has failed and he's your last resort on a whim, a hope and a prayer, you turn to Jesus? Are you surrendered relationally to Christ? Secondly, this morning, we'll keep moving quickly. Speaking about surrender. Point number two is this. We're going to look at carrying the cross. Luke chapter 14, verse 26 to 27, I remind you again, it says, if you want to be my disciple, I would suggest that for most of us sitting here today, there's a desire to want to be Christ's disciple. We fit this text, we fit this category. This is what he would say to us. You must, by comparison, hate everyone else, your father, your mother, your wife, and your children, your brothers and your sisters, yes, even your own life. God bless you, church. Have a great week. We read on, it says, otherwise you cannot be my disciple. It is not optional. You cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. What does all that mean? Well, let me just try and paint a really simple picture. What this is actually saying, this is Jesus saying, this is a call to dying to your own self, your own sinful nature, your own longings, your own desires, dying to self, sacrificing daily. You see, we're to focus on Christ and the cross. Christ and the cross, the ultimate example of dying to self. Again, Christ asks nothing of us 
that he himself has not been through, navigated or modelled. He asks us to carry our cross, which simply means to fully put your trust in God amid the storms and the battles in life. You know, there's a great saying that says something like this. It says, it's not a, it's not a matter in life if it will rain. It's a matter of when it's going to rain. Can I just give you a heads up today that if you've not faced a battle of any sort in a little while, use your time really wisely right now to be preparing. Because we all face battles. We all have stuff that we go through. We all have mountaintops, but we all have valleys as well. It means although you may be in an extremely difficult or painful situation, to carry your cross, even though you're in a difficult and painful situation. You always trust that God is with you in the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the valley, in the midst of the storm. Therefore, take up your cross and follow me means being willing to die in order to follow Jesus. This is dying to self. It's a call to absolute surrender to God. I'll ask you another question. Are you daily surrendering to Christ? Have you built a habit into your life where you daily surrender to Christ? Perhaps you get out of bed of a morning, you make your coffee, you sit at the table, you do whatever your morning routine looks like. But have you made a habit, a great habit, of daily surrendering to Christ? Point number three, speaking about discipleship and surrender. Point number three is this, counting the cost. Jesus gives two parables by way of illustration. Two parables teaching us the need to count the cost of following, following him. I love that Jesus talks in a way that you can easily understand. He just uses story and real life circumstances so we could engage with that. We could understand what it is to pay the cost. He writes these words in verse 28. He says this, he says, But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Let me tell you, a wise person counts the cost. They sit down, they do their sums, they add up the numbers, they work it out. What will the impact be moving forward? They count the cost. Then secondly, Jesus uses another illustration. In verse 31, speaking about the king, he says, Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counsellors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him. 
Let me give you some thoughts. Firstly, on building a tower. The point is this, building a building. The point is this, we need to complete what we start. We need to make sure we can finish that which we begin. We need to count our funds. We need to take a look at our resources and our sources and the the things that we have. We need to make sure we have what we need to undertake the venture. We need to know what is involved. Here's another question. Can you afford to follow Jesus? Can you afford to follow Jesus? I'll leave that sitting with you. Secondly, Jesus uses the illustration of a king. A king with an army. Again, the point is this, that of counting the cost. Jesus is making the point. If you walk into a shop and you see a Makita router on the shelf, can you afford to pay the cost? Are you willing to pay the cost? And knowing whether or not to take on an opponent. That's what a king does. Do I enter this war or don't I enter the war? If the decision's made that no, I won't, then... The wisdom in that situation is that the king looks to make a treaty. You know, as it is in the case of the king, making that decision whether to enter war or not enter war is a matter of life and of death. And I'd pose to you today that so is the matter of following Jesus. So perhaps a better question is this. Can you afford to not follow Jesus? Can you afford to not follow Jesus? You see, you can pay the cost or you can suffer the loss. It's one or the other. You can choose to pay the cost or you can choose to suffer the loss. You choose your call. It's one or the other. And if we're going to be disciples of Christ, we must first count the cost of following him. The question is, will you count the cost? Will you surrender all? Will you surrender all? It would be easy just to rush on from that question. That's a big question. Are you willing to surrender all when it comes to following Jesus? Would you give up your job? Would you give up the toys in life that you love, the pleasures that you love? Would you give up family? Would you give up finances? Would you give up time? Would you give up your all? Would you do that? Would you actually give up your all? Would you surrender your all? The last point, the cost of discipleship, speaking about surrender. Point number four is conserving the consistency. Verse 34 says this, salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavour, how do you make it salty again? Flavourless salt is good neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown away. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Words of Jesus. 
Jesus adds another consideration in following him. Preserving and maintaining a consistent walk as we follow him. I wonder truthfully today, how do we do in that? How do we go with that? How are we going with consistently following Jesus? Consistently, daily walking with Jesus. And Jesus warns about being like impure salt, which, le- which leeches, leeches its salt. And, when rema- and what remains is absolutely useless. It's tasteless, it's good for nothing, and it's more of a hindrance than it is a help. I would suggest this morning we would do well to heed the warning. Understanding that to remain consistent, we certainly need the outworking of the Holy Spirit in our life. Can I hear an amen? We need him at work in our life. Our eyes need to be continually fixed on Jesus. Continually fixed on things above, as the Bible puts it. We must consistently follow him day in and day out. On a good day, on a bad day. On a sunny day, on a rainy day. The question is this. Are you surrendered to the will of God? Simply put, as I close this message this morning, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. We're going to finish with a song. I fully appreciate and respect that Luke chapter 14 is a pretty hard-hitting text. But if I was to summarise this morning, simply put, There is no other way of being a Christian. We must be disciples, church. Listen to me this morning. We must be disciples who daily take up our cross and follow Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I said at the start of the message, and I want to say it again as I close this. Reality is this, we all place value and are willing to pay a price for some things. Every single one of us fill our lives with things that we value. They come at a cost and we're willing to pay the price for some things. But let me ask you this morning, friends, are you willing to pay the cost of discipleship? That cost being surrendering. Not surrendering to some things, but surrendering to someone. And that someone is Jesus. My hope and my prayer today would be this. That each of us would find ourselves today, tomorrow, the day after that, the weeks to come, the months to come, the years to come, whatever God gives us. 
surrendering daily to the will of God for each of our lives. Knowing that the cost of discipleship, the cost of discipleship, should we be willing willing to invest and pay the price as we surrender to Christ, the cost of discipleship is actually the road to our very best life. And we can talk about cost and surrender and sacrifice and feel like we're being ripped off. Oh man, I've got to go without. Church, I want to tell you today that the road of discipleship, the cost of discipleship, surrendering to God is actually the access point to my best life and to your best life. A life which is found in and through genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen this morning? Church, I pray that we would be found people who are willing to pay the cost of discipleship, people who are willing to surrender.